fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Increasing in the knowledge of God. All right, everybody. Um, we are on another episode of Demand Excellence. I'm here with Coach John Ford. Most everybody in the state of Georgia, probably a lot of you high school coaches in the country, know who John Ford is. And uh, uh, he was recently at one of the probably the most well-known school, one of the most well-known schools in the country at, at uh, Buford High School. Um, but uh, Coach Ford, thanks for being on the show. Coach Guest, thank you for having me on, my friend. So, Coach Ford, as I'm watching you, I don't know you very well. I've met you a few times. But I think I know about as much about you as a lot of people in the state of Georgia. You kind of came onto the scene in my eyes at Roswell High School. Um, you know, and then that's where I heard of John Ford. Talk to us about before Roswell High School, your road into coaching, um, maybe what kind of God, how God got you into it. Well, I was fortunate enough to play at Brookwood High School. Um, on some really good teams with a lot of really good players and, and, and really great coaches and was just really blessed to have uh, influences in my life like you know, David Nelson and, and Andy Dyer and, and Tom Jones and Ray Allen. And, um, they just kind of led me into thinking that coaching could be a, uh, a viable profession, a viable path for me. And uh, so I went to college at Clemson University and uh, when my playing days were over, I started uh, as a freshman coach at Westside High School in Anderson, South Carolina, and uh, had, a, had a blast, but knew I always wanted to come back home to Georgia because I know I'm biased, but I think Georgia is the best combination of high school coaches, high school players, infrastructure, facilities, uh, just the best state in the nation for high school football, and uh, was 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 unbelievably blessed to be able to work for Bruce Cobley at Harrison High School for three years. Um, really learned how to be a football coach. You know, really learned how to be a professional football coach uh, from Coach Cobley and uh, miss him dearly to this day. And, um, you know, after he retired, I went to Roswell as an assistant for Leo Barker and, and was just fortunate enough to, to work my way up the chain there. And, uh, you know, glory to God, it's been, it's been an awesome ride. I wouldn't trade anything for, for any amount of money. Well, that, that's a cool story, you know, for the younger coaches to hear is, I mean, you started out as a freshman football coach. You didn't just start off at the top. You know, you had to start off at the freshman team and work your way up as you learned, which prepared you to be a, a head football coach. While you were at Roswell, um, kind of, what was your road there? You worked your way up, but what was your area of expertise, like quarterbacks or, or offense, defense? Well, Coach Barker initially hired me to uh, um, coach running backs and and coordinate special teams. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever had more fun in football than, right. than coordinating special teams at Roswell. I mean, that was just uh, just a blast coaching kids that, that that love to play football the right way. And we had some good kickers, punters, good snappers, and kids who like to run down the field on covering kicks and punts and, and fly around like their hair was on fire. So it was a lot of fun. But I think, you know, it's all the young coaches out there coordinating special teams uh, to me. And you could probably speak to this as well was the best preparation for being a head coach because you work with the whole team. You're working with offensive players, defensive players, linemen, 
linebacker. So I was coaching running backs, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of had my hand on a lot of different members of the team. So it was a lot of fun. Um, then Coach Barker moved on. His wife got a job transfer, so he moved to California. So uh, Justin Sanderson became the head coach, and, and he taught me to be his offensive coordinator. So I got to work with the quarterbacks and uh, uh, call plays. And so that was a lot of fun. And then uh, uh, a couple years later, I was blessed to be the head coach. So speaking to that, like your philosophy, X and O philosophy offensively, what would you, um, for the listener out there, how would you describe what you believe in uh, in how you want to run offensive football at the high school level? Now, you were at the highest level classification. I think, I mean, I've never coached at college, but I would imagine there there's a whole lot of – you coached probably, what, eight or nine Division One players on your offense at Roswell that last year. I, I think there's a lot of – parallel so who are you um philosophically on offense uh, i like to play fast uh, i believe in space but i also believe that in high school football you've got to be able to run the ball so we were 11 personnel uh like a lot of people are these days and, and we based based heavily in the inside zone outside zone power counter and then a couple of run game wrinkles off of that and then the whole pass game is built around uh, it starts with four verticals because once once again I believe in space and I believe you got to back people up. Um, but the whole pass game was initially built around uh, if then statements that that I kind of stole from Andrew Coverdale and guys like that and Jeff Maddox. That if they then we and it becomes very systematic um, in terms of if they go to cover three or if they go to cover one or if they play quarters. Here's our answers for that and here's how we got to go out and execute it. And let the kids be confident in it. Let the kids kids understand exactly why we're calling things. And, and, and that will allow them to play fast and allow them to execute at a high level. So, you know, as things have gone now, now I think you've got to have a, uh, um, a heavy emphasis in man beaters because teams aren't going to sit there and let you fill RPOs. You know, they're not going to let you throw your key screens and stuff like that out there. So you've got to be pretty good at beating man coverage. And um, I think you have to be a little more formationally diverse uh, now than you did in 2014, 2015, uh, unless you can just overwhelm people with talent. But uh, that's kind of where my kind of where my offensive philosophy started, and, and trying to always learn from great coaches like you, and trying to get a little better every day. <laughs> so, coach, if it's if you if you're if you're playing and you see two man, what's your default? What's your default pass play? If they're playing two man coverage, yes, sir. I'm going to run the ball because that means I've probably got numbers in the box. Um, you know, particularly if we've got a quarterback that can run. Uh, but if we're playing two-man coverage, if they're playing two-man coverage, I like we've got a really good shell across package that's a little bit different from uh, what some people play. Um, we've got a good drive package uh, where we can tag whatever. We can run a man beater. We can run a cover three beater. We can run a cover zero beater to one side, and then we come with the old West Coast drive from the backside. Um and allow our quarterback to have options and allow our kids to, to go make a play. Yeah. Well, you answered my – I was about to say, all right, it's cover zero. They're coming after you. What, what's your default? You know, that's what that's what coaches like to hear. You know, my whole thing is if it's third and eight and you're in cover zero blitzing me, I just want to punt. And um, Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I'm scared to death to throw an interception. The, um, all right, so um, – so, you know, you go from um, – you're at Roswell. You know, not, Roswell to me, you know, I'm always on the outside looking in, and most people are. It was like, boom, here they are. And I knew they kind of – you know, they had years that they were really good, but like, boom, you guys just burst onto the scene. Um, 
I, what was it, 2017, 2016? Maybe it was 16 and 15. I can't remember. Um, how did you – 15 and 16. Yeah, 15 and 16. What did you do to, to take it to that level? Well, you know, it, it really kind of started in 2013. I think we, uh, we really wanted to get back to just sound processes. It's just a football program, how we practice, how we lift. I felt like those things were, 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 were we flipped a little bit. So 2013 was kind of foundational in terms of, you know, just here's what our culture is. Here's how we practice every day. Here's how we, how, here's how we lift weights in the off season. Uh, 2014, that team, uh, they went eight, we went eight and four and we were about the second round of the playoffs by a really, really good Hillgrove team. Um, but, but that team in terms of the leadership and the culture and just the, uh, decision to be great every day. I mean, we had some really good players in, in James Whitaker and Shane Slade and um, just really enjoyed coaching those guys. And so those guys set the table. We had a good team coming back in 2015. We had a lot of good players coming back. Um, but I, I really like to give that 2015 team a lot of credit for establishing the non-negotiables of how we compete, how we prepare, how we go about our business every day. Those kids really worked to get the program turned around. And in 2015, uh, we had a great offseason. Um, uh, Tommy Gilstrap did a phenomenal job in our weight room. Um, I was just kind of along for the ride trying to bring juice every day. He really did it. And so our kids were just, it was that third year. All they do was, was what we had done the last two years. And so had had a bunch of really good players and competitive. And, uh, we started off the season that year. We played Lowndes at home on GPB. And, uh, they, they had bloody run. That was pretty good the year before. And so our kids just kind of made a decision that, that was a game they were going to draw a line in the sand and they weren't going to be beat uh, by those guys. And that got the ball rolling for a whole season. And so, you know, we shut out Centennial and, and then we were able to beat Walton. And those were really Lassiter, those were really good teams. And um, so our kids were just really playing at a high level, finished the year 10 0. That year, that was the first time in 67 years Roswell had ever gone 10 0 uh, in a season. Wow. And I give the kids and the coaches all the credit for that and the, the, the playoffs were this brutal but they just kept you know they just kept you know uh, uh, just playing the next play they, they, they really had a, a great process based mindset I mean, we had to play part of the county council and grace just to get to go for it so uh, it kind of felt like an old SEC West schedule uh, it's just the kids were awesome because they were just such a fun year to coach it's just such a fun year uh, to, to, to be able to get ride so, what? Um, so, in, was it 2016? Is that when you played Grayson in the state championship? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, all right. So then, 2016, you built Roswell up. You know, it's basically a national powerhouse. I think a lot of the year you were ranked in the nation. You might have even finish ranked in the nation. I can't remember. Um, and then you go. Uh, what led you to leave Roswell and go to Buford? You know, just the future job doesn't come open very often. And, and one of my core tenets and, and philosophies is you never feel fair, failure. You always attack success. And and so I just felt like with the way it, it came open and we had good discussions early, I would I would regret it if it was offered to me and, and I didn't take it. Kind of always wondered what if, you know, with what Dexter, Dexter Wood and Jess have been able to 
do there and build the culture and the kids and the community. And I grew up in Gwinnett, so I was able to get me a little bit closer to my mom and dad. And, um, you know, it was just one of those deals where that job doesn't come open often. I know what they say. I know they say you never want to be the man to follow the man. You know, you feel bad for whoever's going to take over Alabama after Nick Saban. And you feel bad for whoever's going to take over Clemson after Dabo Sweeney. But, but at the same time, you can't live your life afraid. You can't live your life, uh, in my opinion, just wondering what if, what if, what if. So you do it. You, you do the best job you can. And you great. You learn from it. And you trust God with the next step. Absolutely. What did you? All right, you. you I, I, yeah, you I, don't want. You don't want to. You don't want to be the guy to take over Elka after Coach Guess. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm gonna try to get an interview with him, but I, I wouldn't want to take the job after uh, Rush Propes at Colquitt County. I wouldn't. You know, there's there's a whole lot of guys that I would think twice about following, like, you know, because because fans and parents. Um, I was actually at a six-year-old baseball game this morning, and I was talking to my six-year-old parents about how unrealistic parents are. <laughs> so it starts early. Um, parents and fans are so unrealistic, you know, and, and honestly, a state championship wasn't enough. Even though Jess Simpson had brought them eight, it wasn't enough. And um, right. with Jess Simpson, because he lost in a state championship his last two years. Um the expectations just become really something nobody can live up to. And, um, but you, you mentioned your core philosophy and I was trying to write it down, but you were kind of breaking up. What, what, what'd you say your core philosophy was is the first thing you said. Well, just, just kind of one of my foundational, I guess, philosophies is, is, is never feel fear failure, always attack success. And, and, and just don't be afraid of, you know, what could possibly go wrong, but I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. I'm always going to try and, to, to see what could go right. That that's a very good quote. I need to blow that up and put it on my wall, because um, I constantly fear fa- <laughs> fear failure. Um, but I, but I think you're right. I mean, for for coaches like me and even younger coaches, what were what were some trials that that you faced at Buford and I want you to understand this like I thought you were highly highly successful at Buford and um but what were some of the trials following you know the success there Jess Simpson what are some of the trials you had um you know it's an insulated community and um they had not experienced a lot of change and and I kind of came in and uh said I've got to do it my way and I've got to be uniquely me and um, not that I'm better than anybody but I, I couldn't be a carbon I couldn't try to be a carbon copy of a coach Simpson or a coach Wood I couldn't try to be you know uh, I guess what they what they what they were used to I just had to be me and 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 so I think probably you know um, the fit wasn't great you know, overall would be the one overarching thing that I would say, you know, for either side, I probably wasn't a great fit for them. And, 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 and that community probably wasn't a great fit for me once we got into it. But like I said, you, you can't know something about that until you actually do it until you jump in with both feet. So, um, that was probably the number one thing that was just, you know, just a bad marriage from fit, you know, from the get go. Yeah. You know, one thing, and obviously I look at you as one of the top, um, one of the top coaches in the country, I got a big, big sign on our wall 
that it says, you know, and it's got a picture of when we lost in the semifinals of 2011, and then when we got absolutely destroyed in the state championship in 2014. And on it, it says, my failures fuel my future success. And the that point behind those two pictures are in 2011, we got upset in the semifinals. It was a horrible loss, but it propelled us to win the state championship in 2012. And then the 2014 loss, it honestly still fuels me to this day and my team. And it and it's kind of it's led us to what we've accomplished the past four years. <clears throat> and I think that about you, like had you not taken it, you probably learned I mean, and you can speak to this a little bit more, but you probably learned a whole lot about yourself that's going to make you a better coach in the future. There's there's no doubt. There's no doubt that I learned a lot about myself, my style, um, specifically, you know, how I want my staff to interact, how I want to, to interact with my coaches, how to communicate a vision, how to constantly re-communicate and resell that vision to stakeholders at all levels. You know, that's something that I probably didn't do a great job of. Um, you know, at Roswell, uh, the mission statement was kind of restore the R. And, and anybody that, that, that paired with us to, whether it was from a touchdown club, community, school principal, athletic director, you know, feeder coaches, sub-varsity coaches, varsity coaches, that was just kind of the one thing that, that, that propelled everybody. And probably what I didn't do the best job with at Buford was um, consistently uh, making sure everybody, stakeholders involved, uh, at, at all those levels we're, we're constantly reading from the same sheet of paper if that makes sense yeah it makes sense do you think a Buford and this is this would be something that I know I wouldn't be good at like I, I just want to coach football like you know right. and I'm at a small school and and really you know probably the worst thing that happens to me is have to deal with college coaches and give out equipment but everything else is kind of like you know in my TD club I talked to two guys uh, you know, uh, you know, it's very simple where I'm at, and it seems right. that at your level, it becomes less about football, even though football is important. But there seems to be all these things like the booster club and this person and all these connections with the community. Um, was that kind of really tough to handle at a, at a big place like Buford? Yeah, um, there's just a lot that comes with a, a job of that magnitude. Um, with what they're used to, with what Coach Simpson and, and Coach Wood were able to build there. Um, and there was a lot more that came with it than, than I even anticipated. You know coming in there's going to be a lot of stuff, um, but he, probably even more than I anticipated. So, you know, there's just, like you said, there's a lot of uh, external people and there's a lot of uh, things pulling on you from a lot of different directions. And, and kind of like you, I, I just like to coach ball. I mean, I'm, I'm happiest when I'm, you know, in front of a whiteboard, got huddle on, you know, installing something with the kids on the practice field, putting something in, putting a game plan in, seeing how that stuff comes together. Um, and, and at Buford, there's obviously a lot more that comes with it. You know, that's, yeah. Because they're one, they're one of the top programs in the country. There's no doubt about it. So with that comes – you know, added responsibilities. And, and I knew, I knew there was going to be more going in, but you know, it was kind of eye opening once you got there. We, we, you know, I knew I was going to have a good team, you know, 2017, 2018. So I, in 2016 and, and uh, 15, I would take my JV up there to play Buford and um, mm -hmm. Buford's practice game field. Cause it's not the game field. It's the practice game field. I really don't know what it is, but it's got a press box and everything. <laughs> 
it's nicer than 98% of the high school stadiums in the country. And I'm like, this is the practice. I don't even know what this complex is. And, and yeah, then that's the, the city <laughs> recreational park where sub, sub varsity plays their games and, and the theater programs play their games and theater programs practice. But you're right. The, 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 the game field is only for Friday nights. They don't play soccer. They don't play lacrosse. They don't play uh, anything but, but varsity football on Friday nights in Tom Ryden Stadium, which is it's, it's a very cool thing. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty awesome. I was kind of envious seeing all that, but as I was seeing all that, um, you know, I was talking to Jess Simpson after the game. Of course, he's with the Atlanta Falcons now, but um, he came up to me, and you know, you look at Buford and all that kind of stuff, and he came up to me and he said something very profound for me, and um, and 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 of course, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm sure you do. Uh, but he he shook my hand. He's like, bigger is not better. Like and and I knew what he was telling me. <laughs> I'll have more fun coaching where I am at than where he's at, and um, and and so man, I man, I can. It's like he said that to me yesterday, and that's why I was so excited to talk to you because there's a lot of coaches out there. Um, you know, they're always eyeing that Buford job, or you know, they might be whatever whatever other job there is out there that seems great. But they probably don't. They're not looking past all the crazy stuff that's going to come with it. Yeah, well, you know, I think coaches. We always feel like we're we're fighters and we're battlers and we're competitors. And we feel like we can get in there and figure it out and work our way through the solutions. So absolutely, you know, I, don't, I don't I don't blame anybody that takes a job like Buford. Um, obviously, I did, but yeah, what, what Jeff said was hundred percent right on. Bigger and always better. No. Um, yeah, I think anybody that got offered the Buford job would take the Buford job, for, just like Colquitt County. I mean, I don't blame the guy at Jones County right. for one minute. It's a great opportunity. Um, but just, And I'm sure he understands the challenges that will come with it. So, all right. So I think the big question everybody wants to know is, uh, wh- what's John Ford going to do next year? Well, uh, I'm going to head down to Blackton County. Ambassador's one of my really, really good friends uh, in the coaching profession. And so uh, I'm going to be the defensive coordinator. I'm going to get my toes wet on the defensive side of the ball. Um, down in middle Georgia. And, and, um, you know, it's, I've always wanted to coach down that, you know, somewhere south. You know, and I know, I know um, Blackley's not in south Georgia the way we think of it in terms of region one. But um, I, I've wanted to coach on defense for a couple of years. I've wanted to try a smaller town. I've been area for, for 15 years now and kind of and God just kind of aligned it to where you know, I was, I've been praying for months about closed doors I'm not supposed to walk through and keep the ones open I am supposed to walk through this is where he's, he's leaving my family in terms of things with my wife's job and kids and things like that so I feel like it's the right time to Get my toes wet on the other side of the ball and my toes wet. Um, kind of a small town, one town, one team deal. Excited about it. Yeah. Um, Appreciate the coach Lassiter for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and we're almost out of time, but curious. Um, we talked about your offensive philosophy. So now, and I'm sure you already had a defensive philosophy as a head coach, but now you're really having to uh, really, really come you know i guess nut, put the nuts and bolts on what what are you going to run 
are you allowed to say? <laughs> we're going to base that in three four, but we're going to be able to get into some uh, four man packages against teams that run the kind of stuff I've, I've run on offense. Yeah. Um, or we're going to run some four down stuff against them, and you know, a, a, a lot of what we ran at Roswell. Um, to be very honest with you, a lot of what Coach Gilstrap uh, ran at Roswell. Um, I'm, I'm not as good a defensive coordinator as he is. I can promise you that, but um, that's going to kind of be our home and our base. And we're going to stop the run, and we're going to play aggressive in the secondary, and, and, and we're going to fly around and get to the ball. Um, your base coverage, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of different guys speak. You know, I, I was listening to the uh, Alabama coach two years ago, the DB coach. I, I don't know where he is now. I think he's at Tennessee. Um, and he was saying that they're in some sort of cover three probably 80% of the time. You know, every coach has a base coverage, and then he'll adjust as he as he needs to. What What's your base? I mean, what, what do you feel most comfortable with and why? Our base coverage will be a two-sink coverage because it'll let me uh, bring extra guys into the box on the run and, and going where I'm going. I feel like the first thing we're going to have to do is stop the run. Um, we're going to be able to, to stop the power and stop the counter and, and stop some quarterback runs and things like that. And then, um, you know, it lets us man up on the backside if they jump and do a three-by-one and we can still play sync on one and two. And, um, but, but we've got our we've got our trips adjustments and we've got our empty stuff and things like that. And then uh, – been down there, been down there a couple of times, and been down there for a couple of practices. I'm really encouraged with the uh, the secondary talent they've got down there. So there's gonna be times where we jump into cover zero or cover one and, and, and really get aggressive in the front. That's awesome. All right, last question for you. Um, and w- one of the big reasons why I'm doing this, and, and I say it every time I uh, talk to a coach, is I remember when I was 23, 24, 25, I, I was getting into coaching, and I was trying to scour. Uh, and find any information I could. And there just wasn't a lot of information from high school football coaches out there um, like I wanted. Um, I read the De La Salle coach book, you know, and he had a book. Sometimes I can remember the name of it. Sometimes I can't. But it was gold for me. Um, What advice do you have for the 23, 24, 25-year-old guy that's getting into coaching and and he's going to make it his profession and he's passionate about it? You know, guys like you and I, we haven't been around forever. We're not dinosaurs um, by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it feels like in terms of information, uh, there's there's so much out there. Um, there's so much more out there than, than, than when we're getting started. So um, just take in as much as you can. Don't be – don't pigeonhole yourself and say, I'm an offensive coach, I'm a defense coach i'm a quarterback's coach i'm a db's guru coach everything coach every side of the ball coach special teams um early on especially uh if you see something that needs to get done get it done you know you you and i both know that there's dozens or hundreds of 25 26 year olds they want to be varsity offensive coordinators they want to be varsity defensive coordinators um and and like the bible says you got to be faithful a little before you're given a lot so coordinate an equipment room coordinate helmet reconditioning coordinate um helping the coach with the banquet coordinate um all those mundane tasks that, that 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 are essential to a program running effectively um 
and, and show that you can do an excellent job, show that you can be elite in that, and that'll make head coaches look your way and say, you know what, I can give that guy my special teams, I can give that guy my offense, I can give that guy my defense, because I saw what kind of job he did in the equipment room, I saw what kind of job he did uh, with the JV on Thursday. He, he, he loved him hard, and he coached him hard, and, and, and he demanded excellence, greatness from him, and, 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 and they performed at a high level, so I know that, because I gave him that task, and he proves himself, he'll do great with the, he'll do great with whatever I give him next. Um, and then, and then for me, one of the most impactful things for me was to be able to coach for Bruce Cobley. So go find, go find a great football coach, go find a, uh, coach guest, go find, you know, uh, somebody that is, that is an elite football coach and, and just learn and, and don't get impatient. Don't get in a hurry to get a title. Don't get impatient to take the next job. Sit and, 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 and I've heard Coach Sweeney say, bloom where you're planted. You know, wherever wherever you're planted, bloom there and, 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 and learn as much as you can. And then when it is time for you to take the next step, you'll be more than ready. So that's, I don't know if that'll help, but I hope so. That's uh, stuff I wish I'd, I had known at 22, 23, 24. No, to me, your words and all these other coaches' words are like Proverbs, you know, like Proverbs in the Bible. And if, they, if you'll just read them, it's not a lot of words. If you'll just read it, you'll get something out of it. And that's like, if you just listen to this and do what he says, you'll, you'll be successful. So I think it's very profound what you said. <laughs> um, what, and before I let you go, uh, so you play, you play, yeah, I know you went to Clemson. Did you play? You know, I tried to walk on, but I know this will surprise you. There, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, a market for, for, defensive backs and wide receivers that ran five flat 40. So, so I, didn't make it, I did not make it to the walk-on tryouts and uh, just ended up being a, a general student there. So I but, guess, I but, guess any DB that runs fashion five flats really good in your eyes down at Blackley <laughs> County. <laughs> hey, anywhere, buddy. If I got a DB that can, most DBs can backpedal faster than I can run in a straight line. So, <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Well, coach, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you and, and we'll be done. I really appreciate you being on and, uh, man, a very, uh, it was a learning experience for me. If, if, if no one else listens, uh, I learned something. So I appreciate it. Hey, can I, can I get one plug for you? Yes, sir. If you're a- if you're a coach and you haven't gotten Coach Guess's book, Demand Excellence, uh, I read it over spring break, and it is an elite book, and and I wish I'd read it 10 years ago. Why, Coach, thank you. And guys, everybody's going to think I asked you to do that. I didn't. I had no idea you read the book, so I appreciate that, Coach. I'm honored well, you read it. It was an awesome book, and, and, and I saw it for sale on Twitter one day, and I went and bought a copy, and, and wish I'd bought a copy even earlier. Thank you, Coach. Um, appreciate that. Let me pray for us. Yes, sir. Lord, we're coming for you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you, Lord, most importantly, for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, praise and thank you for Coach Ford and, uh, Lord, his passion for Jesus Christ, his passion for coaching. And, uh, Lord, we praise you for the success that he had and, and, and the new opportunity that he has. And we just pray that you would be with him, that you would lead him, continue to make him a good husband, a good father, and a leader for those boys down in Bleckley County, Lord. And I just pray that Um, you would continue uh, to bless his steps. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Coach Ford. Thank you, Coach Guess. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid
Sinking sand.